0: The Addiction Podcast: Point of No Return, brought to you by Narcanon Suncoast. Hello, Jason.
1: Hello, Joni. Here we are.
0: Yep, and this is episode number sixty-eight.
1: And we are thick in the thick of summer.
0: We are. You know, it's interesting. I've uh, started walking in the mornings, mm-hmm. and I have been listening to several different podcasts, and one of them the guy is so upbeat he's like hey 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 and this is the and this is episode number but we do episode number but it's a little bit too upbeat for i think the subject matter that yeah i do. think i'd be
1: really annoyed if i heard that <laughs> just like
0: um, it's a bit much but but he always goes in, this is episode number gosh he's up to 3 58 or something so he's been doing it for a while i think he also does it like every two twice a week so anyway we're we're gonna keep going and we're gonna keep talking about it because obviously people are listening and that's the exciting thing
1: yes we do have good news yes for the for the uh, addiction podcast community so um earlier last week Actually, it was later last week. I think it was last Friday. We got a phone call from a woman who just so happened to be listening to Angela's podcast episode. And she said, you know, I I listened to it uh, and I just got up enough nerve to call um, about my family member. And um, I spoke to her and I worked with the family for the last three, about three or four days. And we actually have their family member arriving at the center tonight.
0: I think that's very exciting.
1: Very exciting. And it's also really empowering for Angela because what I did was I went down and saw her and I said, just so you know, your story just saved another person's life because someone took action to do something about it after listening to what you had to say. And that's like, that's really powerful. Absolutely. The stories of people who have gone through addiction and gotten clean are extremely powerful, uplifting, inspiring, and give other people hope. Exactly. And this family was, you know, had struggled with this person for years and years and years in and out of multiple treatment attempts, counselors. I, he'd even, you know, had criminal charges and been locked up a little bit. And, um, you know, they were at a point where they didn't think there's anything else they could possibly do. And so it was interesting because I was trying to like handle, help them with the whole situation, you know, thousands of miles away, you know, sitting in my office on a phone. Right. And, uh, it's, it's actually difficult because things come up, you know, the the initially you know i kind of told the whole family how the whole thing works with Narcanon and what we do and how we can help and how we're different than anything else they had done and uh you know i asked about the person who they're trying to get help for his willingness to get to get clean and they said oh well that should be i mean he, sh- he sh- they should be willing i mean i don't see why they wouldn't be i mean if you think about it, you look at their life and it's a mess you think why wouldn't they and that was not the case because um, when the person, uh, came back to the house and was confronted, they, everything melted down and it was complete chaos. And, you know, I'm trying to make the, the family keep pushing on the person. They didn't want to, because they didn't want to upset them even further. And I'm, you know, I was like, Oh God, what am I going to do? And so we waited out for a couple of days and then I actually got the person on the phone to talk to me. Right. And I just kind of leveled with them about, look, I get it. Let's just talk. Yep. Um, and as soon as I got him talking, he just talked and talked and talked and talked and talked. And, talked. and then I said, look, do you want to change? Do you want to come out here and change your life? And he said, yes. And the family's still in disbelief that I was able to get him to a point where he's willing. Right. And uh,
0: but, that, But I think... And not having been on the phone call, but I, I think that probably a lot of that is that you can absolutely one hundred percent relate to someone in his position because you I have, was you have been there.
1: Yeah, I've been the person on the other end of the phone talking to a counselor at a rehab, telling me, "Hey, look, <laughs> this kind of this is kind of it's kind of bad situation you're in, and I don't know what your options are." And but um, there's only one person that really kind of. Talk to me like a human being and like they actually understood it Mm -hmm. and that's the person i talked to when i first got to Narcanon, and so i do that for other people right because i feel like other people probably experienced what i experienced like a super clinical standpoint on everything and you know you're powerless and you know you gotta do this 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 and blah 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 and so i just talk to people like they're human like they they so I get it. I've been there.
0: What a concept. Right. You're just yeah. a human being like I am and you've made some bad choices. But, but, what a concept.
1: But you, if you think about it, if you're in a really like clinical setting, you're not a, a human. You're a uh, patient. You're a patient. You're a sick,
0: Or a client. Or you're a sick yeah.
1: person that is just like, poor you. What are we going to do with you? Exactly. Uh, if you talk to someone that's going through addiction, like they're you're a person, like they're a human, and, and you have that level of empathy, like you get it. And you've been there. That's the part that allowed this person to open up to me. Yep. Because I wasn't just another clinician. I was just going to evaluate everything for him and tell him what's wrong with him. It was like, look, man, just talk to me and tell me what you're, what you're running into. And, you know, maybe there's something we can do to fix it. Uh, and uh, we, I think we talked for over an hour. And, I mean, he, he'll be here at And it's great. It's, it's wonderful because it's another family that knows their loved ones safe, that knows they're on the road to hopefully a better life. And they also know that this is, they're about to do something completely unlike anything else they've ever done. Right. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to go really well. I'm like, really happy about it. I I'm, like really, really, I took it as a huge win. Like, I'm really happy about this.
0: I'm totally excited. I mean, obviously, from the viewpoint of the podcast as well, I'm fairly certain that. More people than we know of are probably reaching out to Narcanon because obviously we've had people listening to this program in the UK and in Canada and in other countries throughout the world. And chances are they're not going to necessarily reach out to Narcanon Suncoast, but they are going to look for a Narcanon in their area because right. Narcanon is in other countries, yep. even Nepal. There's a Narcanon in Nepal, so. I think that probably more than we know, people are reaching out to Narcanon to get help because I think more and more families are in the same condition that this fellow's family was. They, they don't know what to do. There's nothing they can do. They've tried everything and nothing has worked. And then what do you do? You know? And well, I think it's that's what, that, that we say that over and over again, that's why we do this because we want to give hope to people that there is help available something can be done about your loved one's addiction
1: no one's a throwaway client not even me no nope and
0: and let me just tell you if jason's not a throwaway client nobody's a throwaway client That was really bad
1: i mean (laughs) it's my (laughs) every now and then um my mom Will like bring up random stories about like when I was an addict. And it's just like, oh my god, and show like, you
0: pictures of. she has shown <laughs> me.
1: She uh she recently showed me a picture. A little, well, it wasn't recently, it was a little while ago. Um, that she still had on her phone. It was a picture of me, but there's a picture of me like I wasn't really in it, like getting messed up in that when that picture was taken. But like my life was completely out of control in every other aspect, right? And and that what that also this little bit of using I was doing at the time didn't help, but it was like. I was, a, I was like a maniac. I looked at it. I don't even recognize that person. It was insane looking. <laughs> and, um, and some of the stories my family will retell about, oh, I remember when Jason, you know, did a flying scene. It's just like, I know you guys, I'm glad we can say it's like a funny story at this point. But it's still like there's like a completely unrecognizable person because I was literally completely out of my mind. I actually wrote a blog uh, a few weeks ago about, you know, the idea that jug- drugs hijacked my brain they hijack other people's brains. Because if you think about it, everything that an addict does is completely illogical, nonsensical to a point, doesn't make sense to anyone that's not experiencing what that person's experiencing. But to the addict, you think these are like the things you need to do to like get by and survive on a daily basis. And like, you know, I remember I told that story about like, you know, I got put on probation. Instead of going and checking in with my PO, I went and hit out and like did meth for three days. I'm like, <laughs> well, who does that? It's just like absolutely insane. Yep. I was talking to... uh my grandmother last night, she's 86, um, so hi, if you're listening. We should listen sometimes. She said, not all the time, but sometimes. I okay. was like, well, thank you for your honesty. And okay. it, you don't have to listen all the time. <laughs> um, and we were actually discussing uh, the drug crisis last night, and she was asking me, you know, what are the main drugs that people are using or coming in on? I said, you know, honestly, it's opioids and methamphetamine. And she, said, couldn't, she couldn't believe it. She said, Jason, you'd, you'd have... You have no idea how different the world is now versus, you know, way earlier in my life because she's, you know, she's 86. She's watched this whole country kind of transform into this completely different animal than um, what it was, you know, back when she was a kid or even a young adult. So if you think about it. She was born in the 1930s. Right. So she's seen everything from like the baby boomers in World War II and all the fallout from that and what happened during Vietnam and then the whole civil rights movement and all this, you know, other stuff. And, you know, moving forward, she's seen the whole drug crisis kind of like take hold. Yep. So um, it, and it's, it's an
0: evolving scene. It, yeah. And but, I, it, but it doesn't. It, it, it's just. And, you know, we talk about substituting one drug for another. I mean, that's all we really see. But in that's the all they really epidemic.
1: That's all it is. That's yeah. what, but that's what created the epidemic. Yeah. Besides, besides the fact that one drug is going to solve an issue with a previous drug. That's one of the things that created the epidemic. And it's also, you know, obviously big pharma looked at like the situation, like how can we maximize our profits? And exactly. So that definitely didn't help. I mean, it's real easy to sit back and say, well, if it wasn't for Purdue pharma, we wouldn't be in this situation. But the thing is, we would. We so, would. We it would just would. be a different
0: drug. It'd be a, it different, would be drug a different drug. It would be. A, it would have addiction. Would have a different face on it than opioids.
1: Yeah, it wouldn't be Purdue Pharma, as the makers of OxyContin. Right. It would have been something else, and it all comes back down to. And I've said this before, and it's kind of like beating a dead horse, but I'll continue to beat said horse. It's it's <laughs> the human condition. It's the fact that we're pleasure seekers and we avoid pain at all costs. But I think in order for us to like continue to like transcend time and keep moving forward like as a species we need to learn how to figure out that pain is okay
0: yep or that there's natural ways to deal with it you know it doesn't have to be an opiate an opiate that you that you do you know i i wrote something recently to there was some petition or something that i signed I think it had to do with marijuana and it was mm. something that I sent to the president. And so I got an email back from the White House. But I'm I'm very tempted to email back and say, you need to do whatever you can do to get drug advertising off television. I mean,
1: I mean, like did to direct direct to consumer like commercials. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To get
0: those commercials off television because they haven't always been there. They've only been there maybe the last 20 years. And, you know, you can't advertise cigarettes. Nope. Because cigarettes have been directly linked to lung cancer, and yet you can advertise any drug you want to advertise, even the ones that have been linked to addiction or what have you, you know, it's like, or antipsychotics or antidepressants or anti-anxiety medications that have all sorts of horrific side effects. And so when you see these commercials, if you listen, you know, you hear them go, yes, and this could cause, you know, please contact your doctor if this causes any kind of thoughts of suicide or depression, you know. When it does that, it's probably a little bit late and people probably aren't calling their doctor and say, oh, by the way, I would like to kill myself now. It's, yeah, probably just go down that road. So I would like drug commercials taken off the television and I don't know if anybody in any inf- has any influence or not, but if you do, you need to let somebody know that, those, that that legislation needs to be changed.
1: I think we're one of the only, one of two countries in the world that allows direct-to-consumer psychiatric medication... Uh- advertising yep.
0: england doesn't because i remember when we talked to nick heather he said no you can't do it in england you can't advertise it in england
1: well but i would
0: rather have them advertise cigarettes i'm just saying
1: why do we even have doctors then if we're just going to choose the course of our health care
0: good that's a good point because it
1: says ask your doctor if this drug is right for that's you right. it's and like, they
0: do and people go in and say oh can i take uh cymbalta because i have sure. a little pain in my elbow and they say, why don't and they i say try sure. cymbalta oh, okay sure cymbalta by the way used to be advertised for depression now yep. it's advertised for rheumatoid arthritis pain. And I go, huh? Well, is it an antidepressant or is it a pain medication?
1: Well, he, that brings me to a really interesting point. There is a drug out there that is very heavily involved as like a secondary drug to heroin in the drug crisis. And it's something called gabapentin.
0: Gabapen?
1: Gabapentin? Gabapentin. Gabapentin. Gab, gabapentin. It's otherwise known as Neurontin. Okay. Okay, so... Anyone listening will know what I'm talking about if they have either used heroin or a heroin addict or have recovered from it. They know this is a thing. So, gabapentin is commonly abused by opioid addicts for two reasons. One, um, if you take a bunch of it, it can help you through your withdrawals and actually gets you pretty messed up. Um, And uh, (laughs) two, it also helps to maximize the effects of the heroin that you are taking. So you can take it to maximize what you're taking. You can also take it if you run out of dope and you're getting sick and you need some sort of substitute, you can take this. When Gab- you say
0: it messes you up, what does that mean? It you
1: high. It uh, gets you high. If you take a bunch of it, it definitely okay. gets you high. Um, and it's but you're all- not
0: on heroin, so like that's okay, well, I guess is the mentality.
1: No, well, it's... Uh, it, okay, so what, let's talk about what gabapentin, or otherwise known as Neurontin, is. Okay, so it is a drug that has many different qualities. It's a uh, it's an anti-seizure drug. Okay. It handles uh, diabetic nerve pain. Also handles other types of neuropathy. And it's also a mood stabilizer. Um, and I think there's one other thing that I'm not thinking of. So it's got like a multitude of uses. Mm-hmm. Um, none of which I really recommend, except for I mean, if you're taking it because you're epileptic, I guess. That's okay. I mean. But also, it's a drug that's very, very commonly abused in prisons and jails. Because... People will get prescribed it because they either get prescribed it get. for. Yeah. Usually, most I'd say more than three quarters of the people that are prescribed gabapentin are prescribed it because of either um, nerve pain or as a mood stabilizer for right. like bipolar disorder. Right. Or bi- or bipolar disorder. My quotation marks out here at my fingers. Um, so people get prescribed it in jails and prisons, and then what they'll do is they'll cheat their meds, not really fake swallow it, and then hide it, stockpile them up, and sell them to other prisoners, who then take a bunch of it and get high. And so there's actually like a really, really huge problem with people are abusing this pretty strong medication. And um, it's not talked about that much. Although I read an article a while ago that some doctors are starting to see this trend and it's like extremely alarming. Because not only are you adding, you know, you're taking a person that's using heroin that's mixed with some random unknown analog of fentanyl and whatever else in it, and then they're adding, you know, a pretty strong psychotropic drug on top of it um yep it's only gonna make matters worse and it was actually interesting because i brought this up to uh, katie Mm -hmm. in my my office Mm -hmm. and she's like oh yeah that's a total thing i was like like, really wow and she's like yeah people absolutely do that and she even said she was guilty of doing that one point that people are taking tons of this like diverted gabapentin medication. To get by, get higher, mitigate their withdrawals, or whatever, and apparently it's a super um, popular drug in incarcerated individuals, so wow. that's a thing I think people need to realize so I think that corresponds to with the issue with with psych meds, yes, that we have is like yep. so many addicts are pretty quick to be diagnosed with a multitude of like personality disorders or mood disorders or whatever, but then those drugs are then being diverted and abused along with other illegal drug it's just like it's getting crazy. it's getting a bit nuts it it,
0: it does get nuts you know it's interesting i i happen to um i usually watch tv when i'm eating my lunch so i'm watching the channel that you know talks about you know like autopsy of this movie star that died or what's the story with this other singer that died or whatever and this particular program was about michael jackson and there was Uh, something i didn't understand was you remember when he did the pepsi commercial and his hair caught on fire
1: yes i heard about that
0: right so he had like beyond third degree burns on his scalp got addicted to painkillers
1: is that when he got addicted
0: that's when he got addicted to painkillers i had no idea i remember the accident i remember that happening but he was and you know of course they interview people who knew him or or just commenting on what happened you know this one guy said you know when you have burns that bad i mean you you have to take painkillers i mean it's pretty bad you know but he that's when painkillers became his best friend And and he went down that road and then of course you know, with all the plastic surgeries he did, I'm sure he just like stuck on it. But anyway, I had no idea that that was where he started.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, and it happens so that.
0: often, like with Angela, you know, like an injury mm-hmm. or the doctor that we talked to, the anesthesiologist, it's an injury and you start off with these painkillers and then you just get prescribed inordinate amount of it, inordinate amounts of the painkiller. And, you know, you guys just keep taking it. And- but
1: they started dialing that back. I was actually, my, me and my dad were talking about this. So with, one of the new florida laws my dad's still a physician in florida right it, there's one of the new florida laws as far as um opioid medication goes is that there's a new system where in in order for my father to be allowed to prescribe someone any amount of opioids and right now they're only allowed to give like i think five to seven days that, and that's it um But in order to even prescribe that, he has to then go into a computer system to back check the patient to make sure they are not flagged as like a person that's filling, you know, unusual, unusual amounts of prescriptions. Ten different doctors, ten different prescriptions, yeah. So my dad said, so my office just, we have no narcotic policy because we're lazy and we don't want to do that. We don't want to, we don't want to check all that because it's a, it's, a, it's a lot of extra work that we don't need to do because we're already so busy. So we just are very upfront on our patients and say, you know, we don't give narcotic painkillers. And my, dad said, and my dad said, you know what? A lot of doctors are going to do that because no one wants to have to stop everything they're doing to then go to another office within, their off- within the office, basically, to go onto some computer that's set up there to access the specific system to check all the pharmacy and physician records and all sorts of stuff like that. So my dad's like, that might be one of those ways we start to see way less opioids being diverted, misused, or whatever, or people newly becoming addicted because they're not going to be given so much medications so you're actually gonna have doctors that aren't even going to do it aren't right. even going to give opioids because there's all this extra work now
0: and what happens to a doctor if they don't check the system and they do get prescriptions for opioids is it can they get like arrested or I, de-licensed or i didn't ask that's a good I'm question i'm just curious because i'm wondering if your dad has lost patients who specifically want opioids. a narcotic pain reliever when they come to him right just i don't wondering. know
1: I you know I, that's a really good question. I should have. I just curious. Ab- absolutely should have asked. I mean, that. I think
0: it's against the law, but I wonder. I I just. You know, when you look at like the whole pill mill scenario that was happening in Florida, I can just see an unethical doctor saying, oh, that's fine. I'll give you, I'll give you narcotics. That's fine. I don't need to check the system, you know, because I'll make money.
1: Yeah. There's got to be something that's in place there with the DEA numbers. Every doctor that can write prescriptions has a special DEA number that goes on to the prescription. I think that has something to do with how to make sure that.
0: Yeah. It would be good if it were a federal offense. That would be pretty heavy duty rather than just a statewide criminal oh. offense. Federal offense is a big deal. Yeah,
1: Just I'd saying. say so.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> But back to the uh, thing about Michael Jackson that's interesting and, you know, over the last few years we've seen, it's been becoming more like, that's what I'm looking for. We're, we're, we're seeing more celebrities dying or overdosing or having major problems.
0: I know and it's such a, a crime because so many of these are true artists. Like Michael Jackson, I'm sorry, I'm a huge Michael Jackson Absolutely. fan. He was... An amazing artist, mm-hmm. amazing and a trend setter yep. and he broke the mold. Mm-hmm. he did things that no one had ever ever done with music mm-hmm. and to To know that somebody like that, his downfall came when he became addicted to drugs it 's like I mean okay, yeah, he had a bad childhood, his dad was over over domineering or whatever, okay, fine, but you can see that the downfall just happened when he became addicted to drugs and it's just, it's sad. I mean, like Heath Ledger. We've talked about all of them: Heath Ledger, Keith Cobain. I mean,
1: Kurt, Kurt Cobain. Cobain.
0: Sorry, Kurt Cobain, and the and the ones whose names I can never remember. But the more recent ones, or just um, more recently,
1: we had um, Kate Spade. Kate's well, she, yeah, Kate. She's Spade. an artist.
0: Yeah, yep.
1: we had um, we had uh, Demi Lovato, uh, Tom Petty, um, who else? Prince, uh, Michael yep. Jackson. A few years ago. Yep. And then it's just Elvis like, Presley
0: for that matter. I mean, there's another guy who was addicted to drugs. I mean, they don't attribute his death to that, but he was taking an uppers uppers and downers. Judy Garland taking uppers and downers. I'm sorry. You know, you're gonna <laughs> eventually the system is gonna shut down. I don't know what to do. Should I stay awake? Should I go to sleep?
1: Yeah, it's you just know? I think it's it's insane how much I think I feel like I don't know, we've seen a lot of celebrity issues more recently, like back in the day, I feel like they were kind of staggered out, like yeah. they happened. But I feel like there's like, a, like an increase in volume of it happening in the last year or two, because it's almost like every couple of months, I, there's another story yeah. about another like A-list celebrity person yeah. or whoever that just completely overdosed and died. And most of this stuff is fentanyl and opiates that people are dying from. And it was most recently was, I think last week with Demi Lovato, right. 25 years old, apparently was sober for six years. I guess that's up for debate. How sober she really was, but I mean, this the I, the information I have was that she was sober, and then she released a new single last June revealing that she had relapsed, and then all of a sudden, I, I had caught it online like two hours after it happened, and she was hospitalized with a fentanyl overdose, right? Uh, she was given Narcan, rushed to the hospital. And I don't think she's dead, but she's still unconscious, isn't she? She's still in the hospital. I, I heard that there were some complications from yeah. the overdose or whatever that means, and she's still in the hospital. I wonder, yeah. And it's just, it's it's pretty frightening
0: because, I think, and I think you're right because if you look at, like, you know, I commented on Judy Garland, for example. I mean, that was what that was a long time ago. Yeah. I I'm, I don't know. I'm sorry, everybody, I don't know wh- when she died, but she's the only one I can think of in that era. You know, I mean. Then, then you come forward and you've got Heath Ledger and you've got John Belushi and you've got Philip Seymour Hoffman. Now realize there may be like 10 years between those guys, Kurt Cobain. And, and then you start, although, although as I think out loud while I sit here and podcast to you, you know, there was Jimi Hendrix. I mean, there was a lot in the seventies when LSD came out, but yeah, it's a different ball game now. You know, I think after the seventies, I think it quieted down for a little bit Mm -hmm. and now it's like getting back up there with these guys.
1: It, it just goes to show it doesn't matter anything about who you are, where you're from, or anything like that. Addiction hits everybody.
0: Knows no era. Addiction knows no era. Apparently not. Yeah.
1: Because as far as, I mean, they've traced, you know, human civil, civilization back here in thousands and thousands and thousands of years, and they can even see instances of, you know, um, cavemen or whatever at that era. Hitler A- was addicted, wasn't he? Hitler was addicted. Was, was it meth? A- yes. Yeah. And methadone meth methadone yeah but even like back thousands of years in early human you know society and civilization there's uh um evidence of substance abuse so it's like it's something that's transcending time yeah and uh something's like i was saying earlier when we started the podcast is like something's gonna have to like seriously switch or change if we want to continue on as a species on this planet because i was like i was telling my grandmother last night this is going to be the end of the world is why i said to her <laughs> and she said jason for me that's fine because I'm like 86, <laughs> I mean, but like I hope not for the sake of the rest of my family and you know my great grandkids and all that stuff because I want them to live in a world that is uh, a good, nice, positive, wonderful place to be and. um
0: I don't think it's going to be the end of the world, Jason. I disagree with you on that point, because if nothing else, we know that there are at least 30,000 downloads of this podcast, which means there are people who are looking for solutions. And, you you know, I, I, I have to believe in the, you know, the good side of man. And I, sure, you know, it's, a, yes, it's a huge problem. And it's a bigger problem today, I think, because of the. Uh, quote-unquote legality of, you know, drug-to-consumer ads on TV Mm -hmm. and because of companies like Purdue Pharma, which just want to make a buck and lie about their drugs like they did about OxyContin. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I mean, I think, I think, I think I think there's more good out there than bad, so I, I think it's it can be very distressing. And you, unfortunately, are in a situation where you deal with it pretty much twenty four seven.
1: I do. You know? uh, after a bit, right now in my head is that REM song, "It's the End of the World as We Know It," <laughs> It's going on in the back of my head. I mean, I, I don't. Th- I I agree. I don't. I think it's a bit dramatic. I don't think it's the end of the world, but I think it's definitely something that is intensely harming our civilization. Um.
0: It is a crisis, make no mistake. I mean, we are in a crisis in terms of drug addiction and the ease with which people can get drugs, the ease with which drugs come into this country from China and Mexico, the ease with which people can just get it, the ease... With which doctors prescribe it mm-hmm. and over prescribe it, I mean there are definite situations, and you know I think that's why it's good when we talk to someone like Attorney General Pam Bondi or Dave Ehrenberg who are cracking down from a law enforcement viewpoint mm-hmm. on you know the guys who are bringing it in right. and and Pam is all over that as we know. Mm-hmm and then you know we continue you know laws are passed like the one you said your dad is in place here in florida that they have to register check somebody before they give them narcotics so there's a lot that's in place but it's just it's sad when we you know when we lose artists when we lose some of the biggest artists it is
1: it it definitely is and um it's not going to slow down until we can all come to some sort of agreement that uh life has ups and downs and life can be sometimes painful, but I I feel like people, and by people, I mean the general society, mankind, whatever it is, there's a big fear of pain and there's a big like not wanting to deal with pain or feel pain. You know, we as humans are hedonistic creatures. We're pleasure seekers. We we seek pleasure and avoidance of pain. Yep. And when pain comes, and, and the United States specifically, I feel like has this idea of like a li a good life is free of pain. And you have lots of money. That's, I mean, I think I feel like that's like the American dream at this yeah. point. And so we have to start to learn. that It's like pain is okay. It's part of life. You're going to deal with pain. It's about how you deal with it. That's going to dictate, you know, what your life's going to turn into at some point. Exactly. Because if you, if you avoid pain at all costs and jump into drugs, drugs become the solution to pain that's the that's the starting point of addiction that's where addiction is bred yep. and um we I, it needs to be more understood that pain is okay I think like pain like lets you know that you're alive that you're human that you can experience stuff like that um, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing and also pain physical pain is your body's indicator that something is wrong yeah
0: don't do that again whatever <laughs> you know that when you put your hand on the on the hot thing that's pain don't do that again yeah you it's know
1: like, it, it always <laughs> reminds me the Handling pain is just handling a symptom of a bigger problem. Like yep. pain is a, pain itself is a symptom of a bigger problem, whether it's emotional pain or physical pain. Yep. And it's like the story of the guy that's like, you know, has a headache, takes ibuprofen, headache goes away. But every single day he's got this really bad headache, but he just takes ibuprofen to make the pain go away. Yeah, we
0: found out he has a brain tumor.
1: Right. So it's just like, but that's the, but that's like the thing. It's like, yep. you can't just treat symptoms of anything, no matter what the problem is. Yep. As long as you just treat the symptoms, you're not actually handling the cause of it. Yep. And it's the same thing with addiction in the way Narconon does it. Drug use is a symptom of a much bigger problem. Exactly. And most families out there say, oh, my God, if you just just fix my son or fix my daughter, make them stop shooting heroin. <laughs> and I want to be like, look, the shooting, the heroin is not exactly the biggest problem here. Right. It's an indicator that something is really, really wrong internally. Yep. Mentally, emotionally, spiritually, phys you know, whatever, or even yep. physically, whatever. There's a lot that underlies that. And yes, I agree, that shooting heroin is extraordinarily dangerous and no one should do it. And you're absolutely right for wanting them to not do that. But, but that's, that's, just not the the, that, that's, that's not the symptom. That's not the problem
0: we're attacking. Yeah. That's just the symptom. It's yeah. the solution they've got. So we need to find out what's underlying that.
1: I, I, yeah, and I think that goes for through anything. You know, and it's that, like if you're driving your car yeah. down the road and it keeps making a sort of knock noise and you know if you just hold your hand against the thing right here and the knock noise goes away, but <laughs>
0: Once you fix the window or the whatever, or it is, whatever. it's yeah. You're absolutely right. And um and the other thing I think that's super duper important, and we were talking about this when we were touring um some of those people through Narcanon, that I the other thing I think that sets Narcanon apart is that you're not sitting in front of a counselor or a group of other other addicts who are going to tell you what is wrong with you. <laughs> because Nine times out of 10, when somebody tells you what is wrong with you, the classic reaction is bleep you, I'm not going to listen to you. You can't tell me what's wrong with me. But when you study and you look at your life and you look at the mistakes you made and the things that you need to fix and the direction you need to go in, then you can for yourself realize, hmm, that might've been a bad decision that person might or might not have my best interest at heart. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, and when you discover it for yourself, mm-hmm. not somebody telling you, I think it's, it's like a thousand times more effective, you know?
1: I, sorry, I'm just stuck in this memory. I just had, you said something that's triggered a memory. I was in this, uh, rehab in Miami and there's this big group therapy thing. This kid stands up and starts just talking about all this like n- insane stuff. And, um, like later on that day i had made some sort of origination i said something and that guy just said oh well you know what your problem is it's like x y z z and la 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 i was like uh says you the guy that just told us all that ridiculous stuff in group like you you insane
0: person i'm gonna listen to your opinion are you telling
1: me what's wrong with me you're in here too with me you're are you a a doctor
0: yeah (laughs) i just
1: just remembered that. that was really weird that's funny but anyways, but so true. we're going to keep pushing. Um we're, We
0: are. And before we end, I want to say that um very exciting going to the graduation last week. Yes. Ronnie said he was going to be working with you.
1: Yeah, he is. Those of you listeners
0: may remember Ronnie. We told Ronnie's story. Ronnie came out of gangs in Miami. Right. And uh, Ronnie speaks Spanish, too, I believe. So that'll make it, you know, nice for him to, you know, if you get somebody that's Spanish speaking for him Mm -hmm. to talk to. Oh, yeah. He's very exciting.
1: He's he's our translator.
0: And I don't know if she'll do it or not, but there was a young woman who spoke who wasn't who's almost done with the program. If she would be willing to be interviewed, her... Uh, I just, I had to give her a hug afterwards because she's just such an amazing story, yeah. and you know, just um, anyway. I think I think she has a really good story. I think she would be great to have on the podcast. She absolutely would. Um, yeah, and uh, I'd love if her to, she'll do it. I, cause I know she, she was I a little nervous no, talking to I, people. she's yeah. a little
1: bit nervous. I think she would. Okay. I think I could coax her to do it. But her story is awesome and it's pretty inspiring from what she's been through. Because I think there's a lot of other people that could relate to it. So.
0: Exactly, and I think that if she understands that. You know, I'm not going to put her on the spot. You're not going to put her on the spot, but yet her story might help save other people's lives, So that would be good. Is Agreed. she still? Is she still up she's here? She's still
1: there. Um, okay. I think she has about a week left.
0: Okay. So. Cool. Yeah, ask her. That'd be nice. That'd be good. Yeah, she's a good girl. I really liked her. Mm. So we'll we'll come again next week. Yep. Then I did reach out to the author of a book okay. um, called After Rehab, huh? and has a lot of. It sounds like it's a very interesting book. It has a lot of tips mm-hmm. for what you should do after you've come through a program like Narcanon right. and now you have to get back into life. And I realize that Narcanon has a good exit strategy and you guys follow up for two years, mm-hmm. but it sounds like it's just really good tools for someone who has been through it and, you know, now needs to refigure life again. Because as you said, when you were in college and you know, most people were learning life skills, you weren't you because were. you were an addict. So, learning
1: cocaine skills.
0: Exactly. So this it sounds like she's got some good life skills that, you know, would be helpful. So she would be good to talk to and don't forget, mm. we want your sister
1: on yes. the podcast.
0: I'm now announcing it to all however many thousands of people donate, download this particular podcast mm. that um yeah, we want your sister on. Want to okay. hear her story. Dealing with her brother. Is she older than you or younger? Younger.
1: She's three years younger.
0: Okay, so her older brother was an addict. Yep. Okay. Yep.
1: Well now the cat's out of the bag, so now I gotta ask her. The cat's out of the bag, you have to ask
0: her. Maybe she'll listen to the podcast and she'll call me up and she'll go, Of course I want to be on the podcast. Oh, she absolutely <laughs> would. Okay, good.
1: So there we go. We'll do if that. If you
0: won't ask her, I'll get your mother to <laughs> I'm just me. saying. I know I know where you live. I know where your parents live. Yeah. I know how to find them. Uh, I know you do. And <laughs> they will be more than happy to help you
1: with this call. I will call her. She's uh cool. A bit difficult to get a hold of. Um, that's my gripe. But she also has twin uh, twin kids.
0: How old are the twins?
1: I think they're five.
0: Uh, wow.
1: Yeah. So yeah. they grew up. They're growing up very quickly. And yes. They're very very active. And so yes. I'll, I'll do my best to get a hold of her. And maybe okay. that's what we'll do next week. Who knows? Okay. Good. Okay.
0: We'll talk next you week. Got it.